Not safe for network. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. Brandon's got some hearing aids. I've had them for three days now and it's it's been an adjustment. I can hear better, but it's not like a huge improvement. I can hear stuff I didn't realize that was making noise before, like my feet shuffling on the carpet or rustling papers and stuff. That's one thing I noticed or like walking up the stairs, holding the banister, like sliding my hand along the, the banister, like just little subtle noises. Yeah. Yeah. My mom said she got subtle things and it was kind of difficult. I took her a couple of weeks before they fully worked the way they weren't working any different. I think your mind just kind of has to make that adjustment, you know? Yeah. And incorporate everything in differently. But so we're dropping news. We're not going to talk about news anymore. I felt like it was getting too depressing. It's just always sexual harassment, rape, something out of production, some kind of pissing match behind the scenes. I'm just played out on it. Like, I like to talk about the things. I don't like to talk about other people's personal lives, which is what it's been devolving into, I think. And so we're just going to focus more on reviews and versus battles, deep dives, kind of like we started the show doing. We didn't have a lot of reviews when we started because there wasn't a lot of things out there and they've been thrown at us at an exponential rate lately. So I don't think we're going to miss anything. But the one last piece of news that I'm going to do is basically Roe versus Wade. I went to a pawn shop and I picked up Dirty Dancing. And the thing about that movie was I kept thinking like, wow, it must have been really controversial when it came out in the 80s because it was all about abortion. Just looking at the news now and obviously being aware of all this stuff happening in Texas and other states. It's a real bummer. It's a real bummer. We're like actively taking away people's rights right now. So if you if you didn't see it coming, you weren't paying attention. Yeah. But it doesn't make it any better. It's something that definitely been coming for, you know, six years now, really. Yeah, pretty much. But we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of that. I just wanted to note it. And to any female listeners, like, I feel for you. I know that I didn't lose anything necessarily, but that doesn't make it right. And it doesn't mean I'm not empathetic to you. So absolutely. Okay. Well, let's start out with some reviews. All right. I'm going to start out talking about Obi-Wan. Because I know Brandon didn't see it. I didn't get through the finale. You didn't get through the finale. What was your sense of it before you got to the finale? I mean, that penultimate episode was, there was a lot to unpack in there. Give me all the Vader you can. Mm -hmm. Kathleen Kennedy, give me more Vader. Yeah, they've been doing a good job with Vader since Disney's taken over. Yeah, I mean, Rogue One was awesome. Obi-Wan has been great. Got some great Vader and Rebels as well. Like, they actually got James Earl Jones to return and do the voice. Good Vader all around. Animation in the Star Wars comics. I remember Adrian and I talking on, like, an old, old podcast about the Vader comics that Marvel was doing. They made a lot of the stuff in the prequels cool to us, which, like, we thought was impossible at that point because neither of us had watched Clone Wars at all. Big chunk of the comics took place between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. And so they have the whole storyline where Vader is trying to track down Luke Skywalker and find out who he is. Like, at first, he doesn't know who it was. He's just trying to figure out who the pilot was and then eventually gets to the name and then realizes with the name, is this related to me somehow? And then he winds up going down to Tatooine and finding the doctor who delivered 
Leia and Luke. I'm pretty sure he murders the doctor because <laughs> he also doesn't want anybody to know that it's his kid either for whatever reason. I, I don't know what his reason is at that point necessarily. They don't really show thought bubbles for Vader. You know what I mean? Like he's just kind of a force to be reckoned with. But you know, uh, what? one thing I've noticed when I was watching uh, Obi-Wan is we actually get that bridge between Vader and Anakin episode two and three Anakin where you see him turning, but we also get that bridge that Vader really is Anakin up to this point. It always seemed like those two were completely different characters seeing like Vader's motivations from Anakin. I'm not trying to play like hoity toity Star Wars guy or anything, but if you watch Clone Wars, you get plenty of that when it starts out with Anakin He's very hopeful and brash. He's a power for good, just impatient. And as it goes along, things happen that definitely are pushing him further down the darker path. You know, and it's a lot of things with the Jedi where the Jedi are are making mistakes left and right. Like they're not doing the right thing because it is in the prequels. It's just not portrayed super well, which is that the Jedi Order is a religious order and they go with dogma, so they have things that don't totally make sense. And they spend a lot of time talking about this in Clone Wars. Instead of being guardians for peace, they become this general in the wars. And so that changes everything with the Jedi Order as well. Like, it pushes them to a zone that they should not be in. You know, much as when the church takes over the government, things happen that don't make a lot of sense and aren't good for the common person. That's like the Jedi in that particular case, you know? Yeah. Um, It's definitely marrying things in society. It never works out well when the church takes over government. There's a reason why we have separation of church and state. Lucas liked to bleed over those things. They have a scene in that fifth episode that mirrored a lot of stuff that's in the Clone Wars, which was that dueling between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Anakin's just way more skilled than Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan ultimately beats him because Anakin has a need to win. Yeah, his of, own hubris is... Yep. Yeah, he and he wants to rub it in people's face. You know, he doesn't want to just win. He wants to be decisive and to ma- embarrass the other person, you know, and that's his undoing. And I thought that was fun the way that they showed it. The last fight is cool as hell, dude. <laughs> it starts out with, like, Vader basically is starting to, like, kick the shit out of Obi-Wan, but he is holding his own. And then at a certain point, Obi-Wan just starts launching rocks at him and just pelts him with all these boulders and stuff. Like, eventually, Obi-Wan hits his helmet with his lightsaber. And it's a moment that's in Rebels where uh, Ahsoka hits Vader's helmet and sees Anakin's eye and sees his yellow eye and then realizes, like, he's lost. There's nothing I can do for him, you know? In this, they play it a little bit different where he, like, hits the helmet and it splits open. And it's really fucking cool because you see his, like, scarred visage and you see the eye. And the voice modulator, because the helmet is like broken open, some of it is his voice and some of it's the Vader voice and like some of it kind of bleeds over it. And it's really fucking cool the way that they're doing it because it's not working the way that it should, you know? Right. And uh, I thought that was a really cool touch, but they have this whole thing where like Vader is basically telling him, you didn't kill me, I killed me, is like what he's saying. And it relieves Obi-Wan's guilt, but he's clearly not doing it to relieve Obi-Wan's 
guilt. He's doing it because he doesn't want to give uh, Obi-Wan that victory, right? Yeah. Like, that's what matters to him. And what matters to Obi-Wan is that he failed him as a teacher, you know? It's one of those things that the series made me think about it a lot more. Because recontextualizing what I've seen in the prequels, and I think it was always there, I just didn't necessarily pick up on the threads, was like, Qui-Gon Jinn wanted to train Anakin and legitimately wanted to train him. And he was pushing away from the Jedi in a lot of ways. He would have been a good person to teach Anakin. I think he would have realized what rules to break to make this work. Instead, he gets cut down by Darth Maul. And so Obi-Wan, who's not ready to train somebody, suddenly gets saddled with this Padawan because he makes the promise. And he doesn't like Anakin. Like, he doesn't like him even a little. Yeah. And so it's like the worst person to put in charge of him because he doesn't want this relationship. He doesn't want to raise anybody. And he hardly knows what he's doing as it is, you know? Reva was not drawn very well. And I do want to say, fuck all the fans who are giving her shit on social media. There's like a couple of things that I kind of rely on, unfortunately, which is when a new Marvel thing comes out, I'm going to read a bunch of people just talking mad shit about it. I feel like that's been the case ever since Avengers blew up. It's just you can count on it like clockwork. Every fucking thing. Somebody will put up a YouTube video about how this movie ruined the MCU. With Star Wars, a lot of that too, but it's also very predictable that when you have somebody who's not white or not male, who's a main character or at least a heavy supporting character, this corrosive part of the fan base is going to come after them. It feels like you can just time it with a watch at this point. So fuck all you guys. Turn off this podcast. Don't listen to it anymore. You don't deserve it. But all that being said, she just was not drawn very well. Doesn't make sense. She was in Order 66 and she survives. And so she trains with Vader to try and get close to him to kill him. But like she's alone with him in another part and she doesn't take the opportunity when he's like saying that he'll promote her cut to this and she goes to Tatooine to get Luke and to kill him and then winds up not killing him because she's like worried that she's become like Anakin it's like oh now now that thought occurs to you <laughs> like she murdered who knows how many children to get there yeah and, and she straight up kidnapped Leia to do it it's a character that's not drawn very well and there's some very easy tweaks they could have made to fix it but clearly they didn't make those tweaks So one is stop trying to make it a surprise. Carl and I figured out that she was the kid in Order 66. I think everybody on the internet thought like had that same thought. I mean, there's only like five black people in the Star Wars universe. So right away, you know, (laughs) they're trying to diversify, but they haven't done a super good job yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing. Another thing that they could have done is like not have her turn good. Like I know we like our redemption arcs, but at the same time, if you just kept her as a villain, it doesn't seem inconsistent. There's no reason why that would be the moment that she thinks about it, you know? Yeah. It doesn't seem like they have pushed her towards good, but like she still attacks the base. She's still pushing like all the stormtroopers into the base. She's still pushing for the Empire and she's not really changing anything. And she's going to kill Luke at the end. She already looked like she made that heel turn and then they heel turn her right back so that she can heel turn again. It's like, what? It's sloppy. It was just sloppy. Now, she's a great actress. Like, yeah. like, I enjoyed her performances. I think the character has some issues. Yeah, I think we we front-loaded that. Like, yeah. this is not the actress. This is the writing. The writing was sloppy on this. They absolutely nailed Obi-Wan, I thought. I do think 
his arc, it makes sense the way that they laid it out. And I liked watching him progress back up and seeing how broken he was at the beginning of it. The things with Anakin, I thought were awesome. And I say Anakin, I mean Vader, clearly. <laughs> but they did a really good job with that stuff. It's just my only gripe, honestly, is it's the way that they drew out this Reva character. I don't know. I think little Leia is kind of insufferable. <laughs> Yeah, I disagree with you on that. I actually like the Leia character, but go ahead. Rip on a 10-year-old actress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I No, no, I know. This isn't about the... Well, is it about the actress? I don't know. Let's find I, out. What's I, your criticism? I don't know anything about the actress. And I I mean, she plays a kid, but then it's just like... Well, it, I mean, what else are you going to have her play? Well, An yeah. Ewok? <laughs> <laughs> a Jawa. <laughs> I guess that would be more appropriate for this, huh? <laughs> But it's just, oh, every time she's on screen, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for it to be over. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I thought it was fine. I am always in the camp that, like, Star Wars is for kids, too. And I think it's no, more for I, kids than and adults. And I totally understand that, but, I mean, it, I, I don't enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> Going down as a kid hater. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so overall, did you enjoy the show? I actually did enjoy it. Yeah, I, I did, know, too. I uh, know I'm the only one in my family that enjoyed it, but... I was the only... Well... My mom watched it. She watched some episodes with me. I, I have no idea if she continued on with it. I really liked it. I enjoyed it. For the stuff with Reva, it's, you know, it's something I noticed. It didn't ruin anything for me. It was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of felt that way from the very beginning. I, I really felt like there was going to be a heel turn, you know. I guess it's at the end of the fifth episode where you find out that the leader of the Inquisitors wasn't dead. The Grand Inquisitor. Yeah, which made me laugh because it was just like so much of the internet was bitching endlessly about it. And it was like, you just didn't give them enough time to reveal that, you know? Yeah. Because they correctly guessed that the majority of the audience was going to have no idea who that Grand Inquisitor character was. So it didn't matter, you know? But it was never something that mattered to me that much. So I don't know. I was fine with it. I enjoyed it. I would say I didn't like it as much as the Mandalorian seasons. I thought it was better than Boba Fett. So, well, maybe a little better than Boba Fett. I really liked Vader, Anakin yeah. and Obi-Wan. I enjoyed those two arcs so much that I would definitely put them over Boba Fett. And that was the center of the thing. You right. know, like it, it was about Vader and Obi-Wan, which I thought was smart. They never lost sight of that. They had other plots going on, but they understood what the draw to the series was. And I felt like they executed it pretty well. Over the weekend, the family, we all watched season three of the Umbrella Academy and we watched it like back to back to back for two nights. I think there were 10 episodes in season three. And fuck, I love that show. It's kind of sad that it's on Netflix because Netflix does the season dump. And so you can watch the entire thing at one foul swoop. But the downside is, is you end up watching the entire thing in one fell swoop. I'm betting that they change that model soon. I think so. Yeah, I'm betting that they do because they have to make real, real changes with them. And it was fun when they first did it. Being somebody who covers pop culture podcasts, it was super annoying when they had very popular shows, especially with the Marvel ones. You're like trying to get in like 13 hours of show. And like there's always some douchebag that like started watching at midnight and at 1 p.m. They're posting spoilers on social media, you know? Yeah. I like the week to week just because I like the conversations. You know, I felt like we were losing that for a long time and they're definitely coming back. I think Disney kind of put the bullet in the back of the head of that model. 
because when Disney premiered with the Mandalorian, you know, when they started up Disney plus, it was like every week people were talking about something in the Mandalorian. And then you kicked into WandaVision and it was like every week people were talking about WandaVision. Like it was an event thing. And I think all the other streaming services were like, oh yeah, it's more valuable to have it over a longer period of time because the conversation continues in front of people who aren't watching the show and they still have a legit chance to catch up instead of just waiting to catch up with the season, you know? Yeah. I just think it's like a better model for everybody. Now, if you like watching shit all at once, you can still not fucking watch it for 12 weeks and then binge it all, you know? Yeah. But, the other thing I don't like is that, I mean, the Umbrella Academy has been three seasons over the last three or four years. Every time they've dropped a season, we've watched it the first weekend. And then it's another year before we get to watch the next season. Right. And then it's just so much time. I mean, I really, really enjoy this show. It might be my favorite show this year. I think it's a really good job of like really developing the characters. I mean, all seven of the Umbrella Academy and then they had the alternate timeline. So they had the Sparrow Academy, which is like the, the darkest timeline for Umbrella Academy. So when they went back in season two, they had to stop the JFK assassination. And then they jumped back to now time when they were in 62, they talked to uh, Hargreaves, which put the Umbrella Academy together. And he's like, these guys are fucking worthless. So he ended up scrapping using these kids and then like got seven other kids formed a team with them. And so they show up to the house and like, what are all these assholes doing here? Then, I mean, they fight, they danced. It was fun. They dance to Footloose. They had like this entire (laughs) dance off and it was fucking amazing. So it's like the legend of Kevin Bacon. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Have you watched any of the Umbrella Academy? No, I have not. You really should give it a spin. I think you did really enjoy it. I might. I'm running out of TV. I mean, there's three seasons. They fly by real fast. They're 45 minute episodes and there's 10 episodes. So there's 30 episodes, but it's something you could watch with anybody in the family without too much grief. Okay. What's the season about? What's the arc? So each season has kind of uh, been a stopping the apocalypse or the first two apocalypse are caused by a uh, Elliot Page's character and the third one it's the grandfather paradox which is if a time person like is able to time travel and goes back and kills their piece of shit grandfather how does that work because you know if the grandfather is dead he can't give birth to his child and then the grandchild subsequently so if the grandchild's never born then the child can't go back and kill the grandfather So how does that play out in this? It causes an apocalypse. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You started there. (laughs) That is the other thing that you would probably really enjoy. It's very much like Loki in the TVA. The first two seasons, there's a a comparable organizations like the TVA and Loki. There's a time travel thing to it. Time travel is definitely a big part of that show. And they do a really good job of keeping timelines in check. What happens in the past has ripple effects to what happens in the future. My two favorite characters is Klaus, who his power is he's basically immortal. Okay. Like if you 
kill him, he'll just revive. They actually, in season three, they just have this montage where, like, he's training to, like, die and revive faster. (laughs) (laughs) So he's, like, standing in front of a bus and, like, it's pretty fun. (laughs) The other one is uh, Five, who he can, like, blink, which is just teleportation. And then he can also, like, blink into time. And so he actually goes forward into time and then goes back into time. And he ends up working for that organization and he gets like trapped in the past. So he's a 65 year old man. But when he tries back to the modern time, he gets trapped in his body when he left. So he's like a 65 year old man in like a 15 year old boy. Okay. So kind of a Joseph Gordon-Levitt going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Third Rock from the Sun for people not initiated. I do have to ask you, moving on from Umbrella Academy, unless you got anything else. No, I'm good. Okay, so everybody's been talking about this hero-gasm thing, so I figure you should probably break it down. <laughs> oh. So before I get into hero-gasm, I was reading an article the other day, and it was after I watched the hero-gasm episode. Are you talking about like 25 coordinators for nudity and all that? Yeah, they had to like, basically Amazon had to made a standards and practice division because of the boys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they had a no bestiality clause that they had to go over, as I understand. All right, let's get into this because I, whatever, those are just details. (laughs) I want to know what the fuck happened here because I ain't going to watch it, so. They got Soldier Boy back. They dug him up to try and kill Homelander. Soldier Boy won't kill Homelander unless they let him have his own revenge for the people who have fucked him over in the past, which was like his old team. There was about five or six of them, including Black Noir is probably the only one you know since you only watched the first season. And so there's a pair of twins that have a superpower. If they like hold hands, they can like lightning bolt people or something. Uh, He was part of their team and he's basically going after to kill all his old team, like, because they fucked him over in Nicaragua. So they show up to this house in Vermont, and every year the superheroes that are kind of B and C list superheroes have this orgy called Herogasm. So they go into the house, and there are people fucking everywhere, literally fucking everywhere. (laughs) And, oh, there's one scene where, like, The guy could do an Ant-Man shrink. You see him just suddenly like enlarge to like normal size. And he is covered head to toe in vagina juice. And he like bumps up the other guy and like, he's like, I got to burn this jacket. (laughs) (laughs) And then Homelander shows up and they fight. And basically everybody that was there for the orgy is ends up getting maimed, killed. Let's not yada yada the orgy. I've heard some crazy shit. Isn't there something with an octopus in this? So the deep was fucking an octopus. (laughs) They showed him like walk out and like, you see the octopus has basically got his tentacles wrapped around his waist. He's not hanging dong, but you see an octopus where the dong is. All right. What other crazy shit is there? The guy that answers the doorbell has like a 30 foot long dick. See, that's kind of <laughs> details I want from this. And it's about, you know, about the, the girth of a football. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's unsettling to watch this thing. And it's like sentient. <laughs> it's like, so it if literally you took one has of, a mind of its own. It's controlled by the guy that does it, but it like, it's totally like prehensile. And so he can like drink a beer with it, for example. (laughs) 
<laughs> he could like open the fridge and grab a beer out. He could suck his own dick. Yeah. No, it's the size of a football. No, he can't. <laughs> just the tip. Right. Just the tip. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. I got to admit, that's pretty crazy. Like, and, you know, there was a lot of, dar- like, they didn't shy away from nudity in this. No. I think if you name a episode Herogasm, you really have to go with it, you know? Yeah. There was full frontal nudity, but there was no shown vagina. Basically, it was just, you get bush. That's about it. There were guys hanging dong. Yeah. Including the main character. like Good, he- man. I want more dong and things. I've been a, a big fan of dong for a long time. You know... I feel like uh, it's underrepresented. Yeah, it's way underrepresented, dude. It shouldn't always be a comedy scene or like a scene where you're really embarrassed. They should just have dong all the time, dude. (laughs) Speaking of dong, I watched Beavis and Butthead do the universe on Paramount+. Plus. It's interesting, dude. It was like stepping into a time machine in a couple of ways. So the first way is that it starts in 1998, okay? Okay. So it's right, I believe, when Beavis and Butthead ended or when the movie came out. I'm not sure which. Beavis and Butthead do America, of course. And there was a lot of episodes that were kind of like this, but mainly what I think of is the Beavis and Butthead Do America movie, which if you don't remember that movie, it's basically Beavis and Butthead are going along a bus tour around America and all these people are after him. Like there's like a hitman who hires him to hit his wife and they think that they're supposed to have sex with his wife. And then, <laughs> right? And then like yep. the FBI are after them because I think they think beavis uses the constitution for toilet paper at one part and so like well they were after way before that though yeah regardless there's all these police and they all think that they're like masterminds and terrorists and all this stuff and like no they're just trying to get laid the entire time right like that was (laughs) essentially the movie is all these people thinking they're way smarter than they are way more sinister and like no, dude, they just No, they want... just wanted their TV. Yeah, and if you just listen to but it starts out looking for a TV, but it winds up being they're gonna score with the the woman who they're supposed to kill, right? <laughs> yeah. We're gonna score. <laughs> like that's basically what this movie is. It's basically a redo, but it starts off, it's got some amazing animation at the beginning. Like they update it and they do like the sci-fi thing, and then they cut back. It's just like a dream sequence, basically. And then it, it cuts back to um like them in their living room, like typical kind of stuff. And I can't remember what they do, but they did something illegal. And so they go to court. And then, of course, the judge who's renowned for like always giving the maximum sentence to everybody for some reason that day just feels for them and feels like they just need a chance to be great. And so he orders them to go to a space camp to give them an opportunity to turn around their lives. So they go to space camp and then at one part they have this thing where they have this piston that like puts the rocket into like the shell. And so it's like going up and down, right? So they're like, and they're just like doing this for hours, like staring at it. And it's just over and over again. But Beavis going, yeah. And then Butthead's like, and they just repeat that over and over again. So it's just going in and out, in and out, in and out. And then these people from NASA come walking out and they're like, I can't believe they're doing that. That's amazing. And they're like, yeah, it's like they have a singular focus on going into space. (laughs) And then Beavis takes this robotic arm and he's like, hey, Butthead. And it like goes around the rocket and it's basically jerking (laughs) off the rocket. And they're like, yeah 
hasn't even been trained for that. So of course they think they're geniuses. So they decide to put them onto a spaceship. And so while they're in the spaceship, this astronaut woman who's captain of the team, like she thinks they're geniuses. She wants them aboard. And then eventually after they almost get killed because of them, she totally realizes that they're dumbasses. And so she thinks she accidentally killed them by flushing them out of the airlock. They hit something and rebound back towards the ship. And then so she hits the thrusters to make sure she leaves them. <laughs> so they get sucked into like a black hole and they suddenly drop out on Earth in the year 2022. Okay. <laughs> So, like, naturally, what do you do if you're Beavis and Butthead? You immediately go to watch TV, get some nachos, things like that. They run across some tourists who have a phone that's trying to get them to take a picture, and they think they're watching TV. And so the tourists, like, fall off of this dock because they think they want them to back up to take a picture. And uh, Beavis gets her phone number. But then he starts talking to Siri, thinking it's the woman who's now a senator and wants them killed because she's like, they're going to blackmail me. <laughs> It's so fucking dumb, dude. So Beavis, like, they do this thing where they think they're going to score with her still. Like, they're still convinced <laughs> they're going to score with her, right? And so Beavis goes into the bedroom at one point, and he, her name is Selena, but it recognizes it as Siri. So he keeps talking to Siri, and he's like, he's like, um, tell me tell me about yourself. And it starts talking about spider webs or something. It just takes little things I do and starts talking about like Siri would. And Beavis has hour-long conversations with it, thinking it's her. And so he's absolutely <laughs> in love with her. And it reminded me when I was watching this, this has always been a thing with Beavis and Butthead. Beavis is super dumb, but I think he has a shot at being a good person if Butthead wasn't around. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Beavis doesn't have evil in his heart. He just really likes fire and turns into Cornholio from time to time. <laughs> but, like, Butthead is awful, dude. He's just always trying to hurt Beavis. There's nothing good about Butthead. He's an asshole, <laughs> you know? So, eventually, NASA also picks up on their signature or something and thinks they're aliens, so they're coming out. And then a third plot line is there's a Beavis and Butthead from an alternate dimension <laughs> and they need Beavis and Butthead to go through this portal so that all the universes don't collide and destroy everything. And of course, Beavis and Butthead are too fucking stupid to do it, but they're the smartest Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> and so they're talking to him. And at one point, Beavis is like, have you guys scored? And he's like, no, no Beavis and Butthead have ever scored in any timeline <laughs> But it's like, so we're going to be the first. Like, he's super <laughs> excited, you know? Like, everything gets figured out. You know, I don't need to spoil every detail or anything. But eventually, the alternate Beavis and Butthead figure out that it doesn't have to be Beavis and Butthead to go through the portal because they're too fucking stupid to walk through a portal. <laughs> it turns out some other rando, like, goes through the portal and it saves everything because they're still stupid. Like, they're smarter. They use bigger words. They're still fucking dumb. But the alternate dimension Beavis winds up scoring at the end of it and so they cut to this giant arena where all the beavis and buttheads across the multiverse are all watching and they're pinning medals like they pin one onto beavis for scoring and they pin one onto butthead for watching like <laughs> <laughs> honestly it's just like it always was. So if you think you can sit down and watch a Beavis and Butthead thing still, it really hasn't changed other than they put the multiverse into it and they have like a CGI thing at the beginning. That's really the only difference. Other than that, it could have come out 
in the 90s. Like, it's still the same old Beavis and Butthead. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Like, I have always had a soft spot for Beavis and Butthead. Like, I, I have the entire season on my DVR at home. And every once in a while, I'll take a dip. Does it still have the videos on it? With the seasons that did have videos, yeah. That's awesome, dude. That's so hard to find. I remember when we were in high school, I always felt like I don't want the videos. I want the cartoons. And then when I got older, would they rerun it? They'd just rerun the cartoons without the videos. And I was always like, "Ah, actually, I love the videos. (laughs) They kind of work well in concert. There are no videos in this, but. Yeah, I always thought it was funny because it broke it up enough that you could watch more Beavis and Butthead. Like, if you just watch the cartoon, I think that's where they the show kind of failed after a yeah. while. Was like, you can only take so much of Beavis and Butthead. Well, they're fucking dumb. They, <laughs> they like, are they, so fucking They're so dumb. fucking dumb. Like, you have to break it up. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're watching a video, at least you have the story of the video and they're just interrupting the video, you know? These movies work because every character that's not Beavis and Butthead is smart. It's just like, it's that dumb thing. They have to do it to keep the plot going. But it's like everybody thinks they're smart. They have one thing where future Beavis and Butthead show our Beavis and Butthead that like if you step through this portal, it'll fix the timeline too. And you can go back to your house with your TV because their TV gets replaced with a bookshelf. Worst nightmare, right? (laughs) So like... They, they show what they would look like in 2022, and it's accurate and sad as fuck, dude. <laughs> like, it's just, they're sitting in a living room, the same living room. It's so dirty. And, like, Beavis, like, has pock marks and stuff, and he's just, like, drinking, and Butthead is in a rascal scooter, and he's, like, 400 pounds. And it's just like, yeah, that's absolutely what they would look like <laughs> if the timeline was unbroken. 24 years after those two like, were on TV, of course that's what they look like you know it's kind of amazing dude it it definitely knows what it is and hasn't forgotten what it is so if that seems like a fun nostalgia play for you it's worth it they do have one updated joke which i did enjoy so they go onto a college campus at one point and the professor is teaching about white privilege. And what they get out of that is that they have white privilege. So they go and start stealing stuff. They're like, I don't know any better. It's white privilege. And I'm allowed to do this. <laughs> like, I didn't know this was wrong. And they're just like, it's like everything they want to do. They just claim white privilege. You know? That's, that's great. Of course, that's the message they get out of it, you know? And also when they're explaining white privilege, they're like, the professor's like, can anybody explain white privilege? And this black woman goes to start explaining it. She gets like three words in. This white guy next to her goes, I'll handle this. And then like explains <laughs> it. And it's like, oh my God, dude. <laughs> so like they do have smart jokes going on with the outer cast, you know? And we really don't get anybody else from the show. I think we see their guidance counselor at the beginning a little bit. And he's actually voiced by Gary Cole. So I don't know if Gary Cole did the original show. I always thought that was Mike Judge. You know, he did Lumberg in a office space and he he's basically doing that character. Like it's that voice, right? So they actually brought him in to do the voice of the guidance counselor. Yeah, you see the principal's sketch in the background of one of the things at court, like horrified when they get space camp as a punishment. <laughs> but we don't actually hear him. Okay, so the last thing I got to talk about here is Thor Love and Thunder is going to be coming out the week after next. And so 
I wanted to talk about Gore the God Butcher. So I did a deep dive and I, I read every single issue that Gore the God Butcher was in. This character is pretty interesting. They are 100% changing it. Like I can tell you before I even get into the story, there's no way that this story is going to be the story of the movie. I'm sure they will grab elements like the backstory of the character. I cannot imagine they're going to do this in this movie. So essentially, it's three timelines going consecutively when they introduce this character. You have young Thor in the Viking Age. You have Thor when he's with the Avengers, like modern time. And then you have future Thor when he's the all-father at that point. And he's got one eye, and he looks just like Odin, but he's got Mjolnir. And the youngest timeline, he runs into him in a cave, and it had, like, killed a god. And so he fights this thing, and it almost beats him it's like torturing him for days and stuff but then all the people that worship thor wind up saving him they intertwine these stories and so in the modern timeline he goes to this other planet and they don't have any gods that are helping him out with anything and he finds it unusual and so he goes to kind of chastise a god for not helping him out and then he just sees all these gods are killed like the entire pantheon of gods are just like brutally murdered And like with gods, when they die, they don't decompose right away. Like it takes thousands of years. So it almost looks like it's fresh. And so he's going to track down Gore then because he realizes this must have been the thing that I fought in the cave before. And then in the future timeline, every realm is gone except for Asgard. We're tens of thousands of years in the future. And Thor is basically alone. I think he's got a couple of granddaughters, but... He's almost completely alone when Gore shows back up to kind of torture him because he wanted him to watch every god die before he came because Thor is the only one who came close to to ending Gore the God Butcher. They wind up in this battle in three timelines, but essentially Gore the God Butcher, he's very close to eliminating all the gods, but he can't quite get there. And so he decides, I'm going to enslave them all. And so then you get this backstory on, on Gore the God Butcher. and. He was this alien creature, and his mother always praised the gods and always made sure she left tributes to him even when they were starving. She made sure to leave a tribute to their god. His whole family died despite the fact that they were devout. And then he wound up marrying a woman and getting a child, and his wife was very, very devout, and then she died with the child. And so he snapped because he was just like, the gods don't care. Like, they're indifferent to us. Then he's walking along, there's this big explosion, and he goes and checks out the crater, and there's these... Basically, it's a symbiote god that was fighting with this other god, and they were, like, crushed on the earth, and there was a sword that the symbiote god had. You don't know that right away. You find that out way later on. So he takes a sword, and it's called the All Black. This sword can actually kill gods, because it was around before the gods existed, when there was just a void and then gods were created and then they started filling in the void and the symbiote god was upset because he wanted it black. It was already what he wanted it to be. And so Gore the God Butcher takes these and then he just like brutally tortures gods for like days, years, like enjoys it, like just sadistic as fuck. And his whole thing is he's going to kill every god because Every god is either indifferent to the plights of everybody or they don't like their worshippers, you know, like they actively hate them. Like they're just so self-involved, you know. And so 
He enslaves them all on every timeline, and he finds this one god who is the god of bombs. This is when it gets crazy because it's like a cosmic thing. And so the god of bombs creates this god bomb. And when it goes off, it will kill every god in every timeline so that gods will never have existed. But you start to find out as you're going through this story that, like, he's a god. Like, there's no difference at this point because Gore has all of these worshippers. They do whatever he wants at this point because he forces them to. He creates life. Like, he creates his wife and son again so that, like, he can enjoy them while he's torturing all of these gods. He has become a god, but he refuses to see it. And then eventually his wife figures out, when this bomb goes off, we're not going to be here anymore. We're not going to exist anymore. And you've become a god. You've become exactly what you wanted to hate because he's like taught them to like worship the killing of the gods, right? So, so he's become the thing he swore to destroy. Yeah, he looked into the abyss and found it pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all the Thors team up and eventually stop him along with his granddaughters from the future timeline. So then they return to Gore a couple of times. And it's mostly for lore, but Gore is really important to the story with Jane Foster becoming Thor, which I did not realize when I talked about this last on the show because I hadn't read the issues leading up to it. But essentially what happened was when Nick Fury was the Watcher, which is another crazy thing we talked about when we were talking about our what-if stories, and I kind of breezed over, like, don't worry about the Nick Fury. Like, it's, it's fucking crazy. It's not worth going into. So Nick Fury was the Watcher for a while. <laughs> it's fucking crazy and he whispered to thor gore was right and one of the things that happens over and over again in this timeline one of the reasons why gore waited so long to kill thor gore was intrigued by thor because thor seemed to think that the gods were too arrogant and the gods didn't do enough which is exactly what gore is upset at the gods for and so Thor has this in his, but he's actually a good, like Thor is a good God though. Like he's constantly trying to do things for his people. He's constantly fighting fights to help them out. You know, like he's actually doing things, but he sees it in the other gods. So when the watcher whispers to him that Gore was right, then Thor feels like he's not worthy of his hammer because he's a God. He has that self doubt and it takes him over. So he's unable to lift Mjolnir. And so it's left on the surface of the moon and somehow Jane Foster gets it. When we get into this future storyline again, it's King Thor. So it's the, the all father Thor who's really old, who's towards the end. And Loki has been hanging around. He's somehow in this timeline because when they killed Gore, it changed the timeline somewhat so that Loki was still around. Like all the gods weren't absent at that point. And any spark of life Thor is like trying to, to rekindle gets the all black and he's going to kill Thor with it. Essentially his plan comes down to he wants to kill himself and then make sure Thor is dead. They kind of monkey with it a bit, but that's essentially his plan because he loathes himself so much. And so he gets the all black and it rejuvenates Gore the God Slayer into Gore the God of God Slayers. <laughs> <laughs> So you get another element to this. And he essentially takes over the entire universe and starts rechanging it into what it was before when it was this symbiote universe, you know, that was just blackness and there was nothing in it and undoing what the gods had done. And eventually Thor beats him, of course. But it's really interesting because the story 
So when you get to, it's like a four issue arc. And when you get to the fourth one, they beat Gore within the first couple of pages, but then it just deconstructs the myth of gods and like also the myth of Thor. You see this librarian for the gods and he's looking through these books and he sees this book that's like, it's all these tales left to tell of Thor because he's read all the stuff that's already happened, but then the librarian is writing books that are going to happen in the future. And so he's just like, I'll never run out of books, you know? And so he's going through them and they have one with like the God cop where he's just like (laughs) enforcing and like trying to put down other gods who are trying to murder other gods. And then they go through one where uh, it kind of looks the early days of Jack Kirby drawing Thor, where it's like older style Thor. And they go through these different versions of it where it's like even in Marvel, they've gone through a lot of different versions of Thor. And so they're showing how it's constantly the same tale, but it's retold and it's retold in a different way. And then along the process, you find out Gore, the way that they keep him at bay is. When Thor went to that planet and heard this person's prayers and none of the gods came to answer him and he went to check on the Pantheon, you know, when he went to answer that prayer, like the lady prayed for the gods again and that started to create the gods because there was interest in the gods and the absence of them. So they started to grow and they wind up teaming up to kind of try and beat Gore. So they take Gore back to the garden and every whim that he has, they just meet like He's kind of reduced back to when before he became the God Butcher and they make sure that they're meeting every need because they are gods the way that they should be. They listen to their prayers. They like answer things the way that they should. They're not indifferent. You know, it says like it's unknown whether this is a delight for Gore or a torture, (laughs) (laughs) but he seems happy in the garden, you know. Uh, really interesting stories. I suspect that they will do hardly any of that for this. As crazy as Take IYTD is, I feel like we're going to get some backstory with Christian Bale. I feel like the backstory is key to this character, right? Like, that's going to be there. That's a, a tale as old as time is like somebody renouncing the gods, right? Like, that's like Odyssey shit right there, essentially, right? Yeah. So I think we'll get some of that. We're definitely going to get some of the Jane Foster stuff. As to like what they pull from it, I don't know. Is Take Away TD going to put a God bomb in there? Maybe, you know, like I wouldn't rule it out. It's possible. It seems like a crazy thing he would do, right? Yeah, I don't know. We definitely Wait. got the flying goats and shit. Yeah, we could definitely have that. That's definitely in the trailer. By the way, I was reading a random Thor issue today that had nothing to do with Gore the God Butcher. And uh, there's a part where like somebody's trying to say something like we should get going, right, Thor? And you see him and he's on this fucking yak that's breathing fire and it's like galloping off. And I was just like, this shit is so goddamn crazy. Like I kind of love it, dude. They really did a good job on Thor, like the last 10 years in the comics. Cause they just leaned into the craziness of it. They don't care anymore. It's not about being Shakespearean. It's about being fucking bizarre. And I love it, man. Yeah. When it looks like tied to a seventies van, I'm in on that for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we should probably cut this off. So take it easy. Please rate and review our show. Sign up for an Anchor account and you can leave voice messages through a link in the description of the podcast or you can answer our poll questions. Reach out to us through Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs or Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs. Email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safer Network was created and hosted by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Aaron Donaldson and Alex Small.
Zach and Matt are two veteran horror movie enthusiasts discussing their favorite and not-so-favorite horror films. Scary movie fans beware, or listen to Watch No Evil. News, reviews, and deep dives of the television series and film franchises you love. Take a tour of the popular media world with Biggs and Brandon on Not Safe for Network. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together, they explore the narrative, affective, and production politics of war cinema on The Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L, War Project. You can find all of these shows wherever you find your podcasts. You can find all of these shows on Redwood Sound Labs.